This episode of EmblemCast is brought to you by our loyal patrons. Rory Greer, Varun Joshi, Teenage Mutant Mitch McConnell, Sam Hartmans, Slurb King, Alex Bartnick, Spino, Cody Swinemir, and Isaac Liebler. If you would like to support the show, please go to patreon.com slash emblemcast. Hello, guys. Welcome back. Radiant Dawn, part two, which is actually part three, but don't worry about it. <laughs> it's uh, fine. Everything's fine. We're here recording this quite a bit after we did the first part, but we're doing it. We're doing Radiant Dawn, and yeah, we're, we're actually going to finish the game. Uh, it may shock and surprise all of you. I completed part three. I did it. It does. Literally Can minutes I get a round ago. of applause? Yeah. <laughs> I get a... No, you don't. You, you you'll get a round of applause. The shit that you're supposed to do that we've all managed to do for like seven years. It was also, it was also years. technically late. <laughs> and, we were supposed and to record also, 30 you still earlier. haven't finished part four, which, I mean, you don't have to now, but I don't expect well, not you yet. to. So, I mean. No, I'm going to do it. No, you won't. Don't. Don't I'm gonna do we'll it. See. Don't lie we'll to see. me. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I'm sure. Anyway, we got listeners. Devin wants to know what's going to happen next. He'll need to know. He sure doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know where where should we where should we start? I mean, we all we so, all finished. Well, you've got if, the most immediate thoughts of it being fresh. Oh, yes. So what what are your immediate you wanna, thoughts and reactions to part three? What are my immediate thoughts? Yeah, um, I mean, you I, literally I, just I, finished it. I did. No, I, I really enjoyed part three a lot. I think I enjoyed it more than part one and part two. We were ta- kind of talking a little bit before recording, and uh, I'm sure we mentioned it in, in our part one of Radiant Dawn, but part two is, I don't know, it it feels strange. It's what, how is it five maps, six maps altogether? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, and five Like maps. you were saying, you get like a new group of, of characters every single map. Um, it was nice to kind of have a little bit closer, I guess, to a traditional Fire Emblem experience where you've got, for the most part, you're controlling the Grail mercenaries. But when you go back over to the Dawn Brigade, I, I kind of like it because, I mean, with my particular team, we were talking about this before recording as well. My Dawn Brigade team is literally Soth, Micaiah, Aaron, plus Teronio, whenever Teronio decides to show up. <laughs> Do a chapter, <laughs> so, so it's basically just Aaron and Soth doing everything. Uh, and I mean, you know, with a team like that, you end up getting a super unit and Aaron, but at the same time, it's one unit, and overall, they're still far weaker than the Grail Mercs. So just seeing yeah. that, not not just narrative wise, but gameplay wise, like the the difference in power between those two groups of units like immediately one chapter after another was cool and also just like 313 ike is the boss that's crazy yeah it's it's super cool micaiah the boss in endgame is also cool even though you don't really get to fight her i don't know there's probably some oh yeah chef and i wanted to ask you this is it possible to get to micaiah like can uh, it be done it's gotta be right. It's it's technically possible. It's just so impractical because she disappears after I think like ten enemies are killed. Yeah, it's really so it's like 
Yeah, it's not a turn. Yeah, it very Everything quick. in that chapter happens based on it's not even enemies killed; it's just units killed. So, like when Skirmir's yeah. allies are throwing themselves into the meat grinder, that counts too, because it's yeah, about so, like the chaos building up. Yeah, so it it's it's super impractical to actually reach Micaiah at the end. She does technically have battle dialogue along with Soth, but there's no way that the 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 Gal- the Lagoos alliance would definitely just kill. Ten people if, by the if time you, you can get up. If you kill boss there, does it just excuse no, me, auto end the, the chapter? The map's route no. anyways. It'll just route. I mean, they probably right. just, just have route. yeah. They probably It'll just, just have like retreat the away cutscene, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, no, but I, I enjoyed my time with Radiant Dawn. I will say the flaws with Radiant Dawn I kind of think are the same as they are previously. Um you've got they they really got creative. It's kind of like the the original revelation here where you've got very interesting chapter objectives like it's not just route and kill the boss there's a lot, there's of, a lot of defense sure. maps a lot of variety i know huster we were we were talking a few weeks ago about i actually really like the one where you have to burn all the enemy supplies that's that's very different uh let out the horses that was fun but yeah, i mean at the same you at the same don't time, need to let the horses out <laughs> At Always. the same time, on top of that, it's what I think three twelve maybe or three eleven, eleven or t- uh, the, the rocks, rocks. And, it's, and it's just like kill forty enemies and there's a billion enemies on screen. I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's a little annoying. I mean, that, that's basically just a defense map with a weird objective. Pretty like, much. If you yeah. Just yeah. Put them in the choke points, then you'll get to forty enemies in a few turns. It's not really that big a deal. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, f- part. Of- I, I wasn't playing on a save that was completed, so I didn't have skip enemy phase. I mean, I have speed up because Rip. I have a, a special strategy. GameCube or a special Wii that my uncle gave me. Yeah. Um, he got it straight from Nintendo, straight from Miyamoto's hand. But uh, <laughs> yeah, just e- even with speed up, it still definitely takes a little while. It, 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 there, there are some maps in Radiant Dawn that verge on uh, genealogy enemy phase. <laughs> <laughs> Especially but, no, with but, all the allies too, like in those Dawn Brigade chapters. Yeah, know, that's yeah. where you like really feel it. Units. I mean, sure. the yellow oh. units you can just tell to sit the fuck down. At least it's the green units where you really run into issues. Yeah, because they're just gonna do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, but overall, I I I'm enjoying this game a lot, and I think I don't know. I feel like we talked about this last episode, but. Uh, the game is incredibly ambitious and sometimes really, really pays off on both like a gameplay and narrative perspective. In some places, places it just doesn't doesn't totally work for me. But at the same time, I kind of I respect what they were doing. There's really not even compared to like Path of Radiance. There's not really been a Fire Emblem game that has the same feel as this. Even just I, I you know I played the very beginning of of uh, part four just to split up the armies and stuff there's nothing like that in any fire emblem game like Mm -hmm. having three distinct uh teams of units that you got to kind of like strategically plan uh you know which units you're going to put over where it would probably make a little bit more sense in a non-draft format but but still that that is uh, honestly an unfortunate consequence of having like the draft being the first time that i'm seriously playing this game and i i don't think the draft format really fits this game super well but this game doesn't fit any format other than its own because of how crazy (laughs) like like we we've talked about it before a lot of the weird unit availability like we're just talking Mm -hmm. before about how like both lucia and tormod have like one chapter of availability before part (laughs) four and it's like 
what am I supposed to do with this character? I've had zero time to do anything with them. I actually played the first part of part four and Tormod, he joins and in his joining, he like fireballs an enemy and gets them down like two thirds of their health. And then when you actually like start the map and control him, he cannot do that much damage. He can't even finish the enemy off himself. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> that Our sounds like the, that's like pretty bad because I remember in the chat uh, they're for like, part four. good. For yeah, part yeah, four, yeah, part they're kind of bad. I have transfers mm. which help make up for it because I went out of my way to get her um, strength, skill, speed, defense transfers, which, dear God, she will need. But yeah, her stats kind of blow. Because the, the, the only point thing... where, like, this is the point where, like, any other um, Swordmaster character you have is probably already a True Blade. Like, if you invested resources into Mia, Zark, or uh, Edward, realistically, all of them are going to be better than her. And you don't really need to duplicate their role because their role isn't all that special to begin with. Being into Does she have her own class? Or is it no. just Swordmaster? Swordmaster no. True Blade? Yep. Yeah. True Blade? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, what what I was gonna say though is the the one thing I th- well one of the things holding this game back a little bit, I think just on your initial playthrough is there there is some stuff where it's like you don't exactly know when you're gonna be switching between armies and even in that part four thing where you, you have to specifically divide your units up like that, like how how are you supposed to know on an initial playthrough? You know, what is another good you comparison don't. there because mm-hmm. in both cases they, they set things up so they'll always have some good units who can just wreck shop. You know, you've got Soth with the Dawn Brigade that starts to wear thin in part three, but that army is also less mixed up. Um, you've got Ike, you know, in the Grail Mercenaries, Joffrey can just kind of carry a lot of those chapters. Um, mm. you know, similar to like Sigurd and Salik, like if you don't know what you're doing, you'll you'll still be okay. But it's not yeah. really as rewarding an experience as getting to plan ahead. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a lot more fun to be like, oh, I know I can use Ileana to move this skill over to the other army or whatever. You know, you'll never know that in the first playthrough. Right. Um, and to I, an extent, that's an issue in any Fire Emblem game. You can't know what you're planning ahead for. Uh, usually they don't display unit growths and stuff, but it's definitely more severe here. Um, and in well, genealogy. I, I wonder if that was an intentional choice because people talk, and I'm sure we have on the show before, about how replayable in general Fire Emblem games are. You know, when we did our Engage episode, everyone was talking about, yeah, this first playthrough is fun, but I can't wait for a second playthrough to try this and that. Uh, I feel like the way this game is structured, there's there's sort of less room for that because your armies are so broken up. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to use joffrey and the joffrey chapters and of course i'm going to use ike and and blah 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 you know um there's just a little bit less room for experimentation which is also a strange thing to say seeing that i I believe this is the largest playable cast in the series Uh, i believe it's second or third well it doesn't beat epi 12 i know that for it's not like three silver gremlins like even even the dawn brigade is useful in their chapters yeah most of the characters you get are like meaningful at least at the part of the game that you have them well, you kind of run into that, that problem like late <laughs> game or like part four when you have like fucking everybody but yeah eyes and liar <laughs> well i said most they are an exception you know vika and tormod but you know you can yeah most you know there are trash units in almost any fire emblem game right. it's not they're, like they're half not a cast though substantially the cast isn't a large because it's full of crap yeah, right. But but still, what I'm trying to say is just because of the way the armies are broken up, like you're s- going to use certain units and you're going to have to use certain units just because, I don't know, you know, Grail Mercenaries. 
yeah, Grail Mercenaries, it's like, if you're not playing a draft like we are, why would you not use Jill? <laughs> like, why, why would you not use, uh, you know, Nolan, something uh, like that? You mean Donald? Well, you would not use Jill on the Grail Mercenaries, because then you'd... That's yeah, I, I, I meant Don yeah. Sorry, I yeah. meant yeah. Don Brigade. I meant Don. Oh, yeah, for the Don Brigade, yeah, there's no reason not to just do Jill, Har, or Jill Zyhark, Nolan... And then like yeah. Lara for your extra healing, and that that's yeah. you drop you drop everyone else. So yeah. because because there are those restrictions, I wonder if it was an intentional game design choice to put in these little incentives. Like we talked a little bit before the show about how at, at the end of part three, when Peleus uh, asks you to kill him on a second play, you know, there's no option to save him on a first playthrough, but on a second playthrough, hey, there's a third option and you can join Smash and uh, not 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 kill him not commit suicide <laughs> yeah not commit suicide yeah. um i mean so part I of it is also that you're just less stuck with your choices like in engage yeah. in practically speaking if you want to like change how you do you know skill it's inherited on certain units especially in early game stuff you're going to need to do a new playthrough plan yep. it out genealogy you need to do a new playthrough to put different skills on the child units but in Radiant Dawn, you can just move them around you can do that chapter by chapter I love um, which is fun to be able game. to do. Yeah, but the flip side of that is then you don't need to play the whole game again to like, hey, what if I put True. Vantage Wrath on whoever, you know? You can just do that now. That's yeah. also yeah. a bit undermined with the, the Tier 3 Mastery skills taking up like almost half of yeah. your yeah. skills. Oh, really capacity. Cool. The fact that Shove is like any skills locked and taking capacity is just already annoying and dumb. But yeah, the, the Tier 3 is not... particularly egregious. The locked skills, I'm not a huge fan of. I, I, I don't know. It 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 takes away a little bit from the customizability. Um, but anyway, I, I guess how much your pool, how big your pool is for the tier threes, you do get a, a little bit of that freedom. You, it's not as free flowing as like engage, obviously. Yeah, you but. can you can fit about two skills and not all of two skills because yeah. you can get like yeah. you have like 25 points and skills are usually about 15 and some are 10. So you can like kind of finesse your way into like getting exactly enough points, but you're mm -hmm. usually going to be like your second skill is going to be like some ten point throwaway thing like shade or something. Yeah, nothing cool like adept or wrath or resolve or something. Sure, but the, but I don't know. I think the tier three skill, at least from what I've noticed, they they seem like skills you'd probably want to keep for the most part. You know, well, you like, don't get a choice. Well, I mean, they're, they're all insta kills. Yeah. Yeah, yeah aside, buttons. aside from like the mage, they're all just and which only takes you to one health. Yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, yeah, you would still want them because they're free insta kills. But at the same time, it's also like, why does that? Why do we all get insta kills again? Yeah, it's just an insta kill with a different like coat of paint. Like yeah. soul will give you healing instead. Ooh, and well, so it will give you healing and insta kill. So yeah, it's, it's, it's still die. Yeah, yeah, it's three. Yeah, it's, it's three literally, times it's not lethality, life. but it increases the damage so much that it will usually yeah, you also insta kill. Okay, it's very yeah, rare that you even see the secondary effects of stuff like stun because they're probably so it's basically just dead. aether then. Sort of. Soul. Yeah. Well, soul, yeah, soul basically, basically yeah, insta yeah, kill procs, mm -hmm. whatever you're fighting is dead. Like yeah. 99% of the time, because every scale is like 3x damage or 4x damage. And when you're multiplying like 20 by 3 or 4, that's the entire enemy's health pool. 
I, I wish this seems like it's more of an age thing. Like if this game was made now, they, they definitely would have included this. But I wish there was a little bit more description in the skills as well. It'll it'll give you like a brief blur, but it doesn't tell you like, does it proc on skill? Does it, is there some kind of math equation or, or something like that for it to proc? It I, doesn't matter greatly because most of those skills, as we said, are locked to the classes and you're going to want them regardless. Uh, you know, even if there was an option, but I don't know, just being able to see that would, would have been nice but i don't know if did we talk about this in episode one um especially going back uh with engage and the issues we had with the hud and ui there the the ui is really good <laughs> in this game yeah it's really snappy yeah very functional I think that's worth going into the base because engage is a very useful counterpoint you know kind of playing yeah. these back and forth yes. at the same time you know the somnials a lot faster than the monastery, but it's still like, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes of busy work between every chapter. The mm -hmm. Radiant Dawn bases are so snappy and you still have, like, there's a fair amount to do, but it's not every chapter. Like BXP, the way BXP works in this game is that it's always three level ups. So it's usually useful for once you have some capped stats, it's less useful early on. So that means you're not usually doing it so much early in a part, you know, and then as your units get close to promotion, then you'll do a big round of BXP. But it's not every chapter. Skills, likewise, you kind of find a rhythm and you can just let them be. You're not going to get screwed over for not messing with skills. You know, top inventory up, check the, the shop, and you're pretty much done. You can be done with the bases in like five minutes. And you can you skip it completely and you're not going to be that penalized. You also don't have to fight your skill scrolls to get the skills yeah. you want on certain units. Yep. Yep. And the bass music slaps. It's like one of my it favorite tracks slap. in the game. Um, but uh, I know, Sheffin, you wanted to talk about that. Uh, yeah. That the, one time uh, shop. Yeah, the one time shop. I've to me, it's it's honestly the coolest thing that Radiant Dawn does, and one of the few things I do like in the game is the one time shop. It's. It'd be nice feels if like they told you like check this every chapter. Well, they, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. tell you check this every chapter, even in like the very first chapter back in part one. It it gives you like the beast, the beast layer for Soth's dagger. Yeah. So it's like, but once you like know, this, check it every time. It's really cool. Yeah, it always that, shit. Yeah, I like, feel like it's one of the best, best, best ways to be spending money. If they're if you know, with, the, with forging, forging is a bit still all right here, but the the shop, the one time shop, I feel like is probably actually one of the most interesting things here. Check. They have a lot of good architects for people who might not be f super familiar with Radiant Dawn. Yes, so yeah. you normally you have your armory and, that sells your weapons and then the shop that sells vulnerabilities and healing staves. But then every chapter has a unique special one-time offer thing which will sell individual weapon or individual weapon stat boosters or mm -hmm. items that you can just buy. But only that chapter and only about like one, one of them. So it essentially gives you stuff to spend your money on. Instead of just spending it all on foraging, where in Path of Radiance you had so much money, yes. and even if you were foraging, <laughs> I mean, money money's still pretty plentiful in this game, from what I've noticed. You're not. Well, really I mean, you got to buy your forty hand axes. If you're yeah, buying sure. everything in the shop and keeping your weapons up, and you know, doing like a forage a chapter or something, you'll be running near zero gold. Like you know, you'll spend it. You you yeah, will sometimes yeah. wish that you had more money, which is never something that really happens in Path yeah, of the it, Radiance. Yeah, no. it gives it gives you something to spend basically every chapter. Like you can, there's basically something always worth in the shop worth. It, not as yeah. much with a draft with some stuff like the silencer bow, 
That'd yeah. normally be like super cool to buy, but yeah. in like the fifth I chapter. Right? I really like buying it. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It just depends. But, but it lets them give you tools for specific stuff too, like all the beast killer mm-hmm. stuff for the day and people and like. I think silencers before you're fighting some flying units. I can't remember though. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, um, but it's it's sort of like the FE6 uh, secret shop at the the boot shop where you just spend spend your entire playthrough basically just saving up. Like, all right, here's where all the money's going. And yeah. It's not. It's nice. They've actually, got, they've got the mother of all offers at the uh, before end game. That last shop, you know, you can buy like six arm scrolls. They've got stat boosters. They've got a bunch of physics yeah. like. You know, they're yeah, like saying, hey, spend all your money fun. if you have any left. I also yeah, want to point you... out the boot shop is what I'm going to be called referring to Shura every time that when we go to Conquest, <laughs> I'm going to be calling uh, him the okay. boot shop. The boot, the boot oh, yeah. shop. Who got Shura? I don't even remember. Me. I dropped. <laughs> yeah, I like, okay. actually like using Shura. I, know, I got a boot you. shop. Well, yeah, Chef, you have to recruit every character. So Yeah, I, I always recruit it. I always yeah. do a full recruitment. Mm-hmm. That, I think maybe we should kind of get into story a bit, because uh, that, with one admittedly glaring exception, uh, <laughs> I think part three is really radiant on firing on all cylinders. Um, yes. You know, the, the Ike Laguza Alliance stuff is weirdly in that it feels like a whole new fucking game all of a sudden. Um, and the yep. start is a little weird with, like, the messenger getting killed off screen. But once you're in it, you're in it. Like, you get that classic, like... Ike, Titania, Soren decision-making mm. combo that worked really well in Path of Radiance. It works really well again here. Um, you really see the like ebb and flow of the war. Like Fire Emblem, usually you start as like the underdogs and then you're kind of clawing your way. You conquer the country, you're getting allies, whatever. This is one of the few times, maybe the only time, I don't remember, um, where like, you know, they're advancing into Benyon, they're doing really success, and Soren is like, okay, we should just sue for, like, this is our position of strength, it's not going to get any better than this, we should, you know, sue for peace, claim our victory, and and they're like, no, fuck you, you know, Laguz, we want to wreck shit, and it totally backfires, and then you're really on the back foot, you're, like, totally oh, yeah. scrambling, there's, like, multiple chat, like, three or four chapters where the grill mercenaries are just totally on the back foot and that's actually when the when you get the devoted and or not the devoted the um eternal bond like that's when the classic grill mercenaries radiant dawn theme starts playing is when they're not wrecking shop anymore i mean they still are on the maps but you know narratively they're on the back foot and you really get to see that and they're fleeing all the way back to goldoa um and then when dayan joins it's like just a fucking sucker punch like that's where you are you're already losing and then suddenly Dayan's involved for extremely poor reasons, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, that that blood contract is a real problem. And I've been, I've been thinking about it a lot. Like, if someone gave me the opportunity to rewrite Radiant Dawn, how would I want to fix that? And it's a tough one, because Dayan really should not be in this war. But for the game Fire Emblem Radiant Dawn Part 3, they need to be in this war. And yeah. you need to get all those cool chapters where they're facing the real mercenaries and real fucking underdogs. You know, um, so I don't know. I, I've been thinking on that too, because for those that don't mm-hmm. know, the blood contract is a plot MacGuffin that only exists in Radiant Dawn. Uh, it's basically if you sign it with somebody, you get a mark on your arm and you're literally forced to comply with whatever the rules are of the contract and you can't do anything to undermine it. Otherwise, it gets invoked and people die. In this case, yeah. Once it gets invoked, the people will die. Yeah, it's like exponential. Like one person from the kingdom dies, and then two. And there was a really sloppy retcon to make that be how Ashnard came to power. 
Yeah. It's, it's just not super well handled. It's an excuse to get Dane into the war, and I guess to a lesser yeah. extent to have Nasala betray you again. Um, and kill Pelias off, I guess. I, I don't, I mean... Yeah, uh, it, I mean, it, it, in the second it, playthrough, they're just like, what if we don't kill him, though? And he's like, oh, yeah. And then <laughs> well, yeah, him, the, so. <laughs> the, since since I recruited Pelias, the dialogue the dialogue for basically saving Pelias is Makai being like, but what if you're wrong? Like, I what think if the you story definitely yeah. works better if you recruit Pelias, because if you kill him, then it's like, ah, it didn't matter. The blood contract's still in effect. You're still yeah. fucked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, you, it's, you, it's well, what happens. Well, accomplish nothing. What what happens then? Uh, because I know once Peleus dies, that's when his mom sort of unloads all that information onto you. Does that still happen? Because the whole point is that she's angry at you. She just tells you. She's like, thank you Peleus for not killing my just, son. Well, Peleus <laughs> it, just like, it, twists her arm, basically. Like, yeah, Peleus. You tell me what the hell's going on. You know something, tell me it. The narrator says, like, Micaiah is holding Dayan together through sheer force of will. Like, I do like when he's dead, that whole, like, this is such a fucking mess. They have no good reason to be here, but they're just that loyal, and she's just like holding it together for that one map, which is three thirteen, which is mm -hmm. like such a great defense map. You've got your day in scrubs fighting Grail fucking mercenaries with Ike as the boss, and Soren right there at his side too. And Soren right yeah. there at his side, always in his yeah. books. Uh, I think in terms of like writing around the blood contract, the thing I was thinking of because essentially, ostensibly, for a a portion of that initial Dane Dawn Brigade part in part three, Peleus is kind of like held hostage by it. And it might as well have been a thing where like the actual senators either should have taken him or his mom hostage. Like maybe it's a thing where he keeps the fact that his mom's been kidnapped hostage. Uh, he keeps it yeah, secret and that would he, work. And, and he, like, he doesn't reveal until he's like pressed. And then obviously you don't have to write, Hey, we we're going to kill you. You don't have to write around mm -hmm. that. You can just write that they recruit him. They're going to work together to get his mom. Maybe yeah. when the black Knight shows up in part four, maybe he's like, Hey, here's your mom. Azuka could have kidnapped her. Yeah, exactly. Cause he, yeah, he wasn't fucks up off anything until else. part four. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't he's doing anything else. Story. <laughs> He could Might have been. As well take all he could have, yeah. yeah, just basically sold his loyalty to Benyon for whatever. Actually, that would excuse Kurth fighting with them in the last chapter too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then he, he would have he would have even further personal stakes in it. You're like, welcome, intelligent systems. Yeah, I just solved your <laughs> biggest <laughs> plot hole. You still have. See, well, I mean, can, there's still any blood, but also you don't ever have any maps where you're fighting as ravens. That's just like an off-screen thing. So. Kind of well, you don't have any maps where you're fighting ravens because they're forced to fuck off. So by yeah. the merit of removing yeah. the blood pack, you have to find something to do with Nasala. And him, it's kind of hard to sell that he would just like sell his loyalty to Benyon without being forced to do it. I mean, they could just have him do what he actually does, which is go rescue Sonaki and Benyon. They could just have him do that of his own volition instead yeah. of because of the blood contract. I don't so think he's, the, he's not a good person. <laughs> so does the I don't blood think... contract? Yeah, does it kind of spiral out from what it sounds like, mostly in part four, to be some of the root of this game's writing problems? It's you really more of a problem in part three. Yeah, in part four, it's yeah. just like let's get rid of the blood contract by killing the senator and finding the contract, yeah. and then they do and you rip it up. Yeah, okay. Everyone yeah, turned much... to stone. They can't die now. 
Yeah, yeah. what are the reference. odds that what are the odds that one of the actual playable characters will die to the blood contract? Oh, here? none of them, of course. No, it's the, no. the greatest warriors are alive, which is why Megan Fiona survived as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they made the cut. I don't know. It's I, I'm not sure either. Yeah, by well, having right above the line, the building automatically gets to live. So let's just pretend that they did that. <laughs> You could well, it's also you, say, it's anyone who's close to Yune got spared, yeah. you could argue. Well, it's also brand the branded are actually also survived. Yeah, because Khalil's daughter didn't get turned to stone, but Largo did get turned to stone. Oh, so is that why Largo's not in this game? No, so he's not here because they cut his arm off for all. no reason. Yeah, he he doesn't have an arm anymore. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's so you can Where's give Largo? double transfers to Khalil. Yeah, basically. yeah, get that get that base HP transfer. Yeah, yeah. So Khalil and Largo's transfers both go to Khalil. Wow. So Although they're probably going to very different things. Yeah. So, <laughs> so she could be the best up. knife sage. If they right. give if they yeah, gave him course. knives, yeah, they should, yeah, sure if they gave him knives back. <laughs> Damn it! I will say, so, of course, just a little context. So at the end of part three. And there, there, this was set up in Path of Radiance, but basically the Laron's medallion, the fire emblem, contains Yune, the goddess they sealed away. Um, and all the chaos of like all of the countries and the continent fighting each other uh, ultimately, you know, awakens it or is about to. But then they have the herons, you know, sing the release instead so that there's still, you know, some chance. And that gets into more part four, putts, part four uh, plot stuff. But basically what it means is that for the endgame map, you have this massive, like, really it is almost genealogy-sized battle with, like, you've got all the Lagoos, you've got all the Ledean, you've got all of the, you know, Apostle Benyon people, you've got the Grail Mercenaries. It's like fucking everyone yep. in the world. And then yep. with no explanation, you just see, like, a little number pop up and, like, a heartbeat. And the number rises, and every time it hits a land, uh, like, a landmark, like, 10... You get these, you know, creepy cutscenes of like, you know, the goddess is going to awaken, shit's going down. It's really, really excellent you, you build up tension. You, you see some bad things keep happening, but you don't, you don't really have a choice. You get to keep going. You see people leave the battlefield. You see other, for one reason or another, someone will leave or have to go do something, but you don't have a choice. You're forced to stick it out and go and watch that yeah, number keep going fight. up and trying to route. Yep. Yeah, I do think gets louder. Choosing route. Brighter. And, as a as an objective, as a fake out objective, is really cool too, because it's like, oh well, you got to go kill everybody, you got to kill all of these motherfuckers, and then you do, and the game punishes yeah. you for it. Yeah, if it were like kill boss, then you might be like, oh, I should try to reset and like do some shenanigans, which is not yeah. the point of that you, map. No, well, but it also it also feels overwhelming because there's so many exactly. enemies on that map. I think what is yeah. it? You have to kill eighty to trigger it to end. Eighty so people it's, have it's to die, die in general. A yeah. Eighty units need to die, which can include, I would assume, your units or any of the yes. allied units as well. Yeah, it doesn't matter so which eighty, just as long as it gets the counter. But still, you you got to hit eighty, which I mean, that's a even for a route map, eighty is a pretty high number. And you know, there's just more and more and more spawns. So like, if you don't mm -hmm. know that going in, it's it's pretty incredible. It feels like how I mean, you know, even if you're you've got the Grail mercenaries and you've got super powered units, it's still like Jesus. Like how, how long is this going to keep going? Uh, Radiant yeah, no, secretly I, the first Fire Emblem Warriors game. True. Yeah, I, we'll see. I true. think it's instructive because that is a map that does massive horde waves of enemies really well, and then it's followed by like six maps that do it very poorly. Mm -hmm. uh, getting into part four. 
but it's because of it's in large part because of that narrative context and because you've got the entire world's armies fighting basically uh, to me i feel like it's it's almost uh like undebatable i mean obviously it is but still just just to me this game stands so far in shoulder you know head and shoulders above every other game in the series in combining narrative and gameplay and oh yeah one. they kill it on that they, they kill it part three i think genealogy is the only other contender really but that's like that's a game that's a, okay i haven't played this uh, yet, yeah that's okay, a game also, like 1996 it's this is definitely a much more polished experience yeah. exactly so, yeah this more, is more kind of like oh, wait, yeah. there's more like authorial like intent here. Like it, they clearly yes. designed yes. the maps to support <laughs> these things in the narrative. It's less yes. less less the player has to intuit. It's more okay. Mm -hmm. This is the yeah. No, it's very overt. That that's what they're going for. Yes. Yeah. Like, is Roy supposed to suck in FE6? Is that part of the narrative? It's a little hard to tell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but hardships yeah. through sucking ass. But you know that the Dawn Brigade are supposed to suck in this game. That is yeah, very and you can serious. feel it every time you go back to them. You're like, damn, yeah. you, this group I mean, you're really like, does suck. They timed it so perfectly, where like your best Grail mercenaries are like just reaching tier three, and then you go mm -hmm. back to Dan, and like a lot of them are probably still tier one, even like yeah. In a normal playthrough, yeah, for sure. Yeah, in a normal playthrough, you're like just promoting them to tier two, like with BXP at that base a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, this this game, even though it's a three-tier system, I know we were talking about this a few weeks ago when, when I was playing the game. Um, this game is more of a normal two-tier system with trainees and the Grail Mercenaries. Yeah, in practice, it's, that's pretty much yeah, how it works. Yeah, it's almost like they invented a whole new sub-tier of units just, just for, I said Grail Mercenaries again, for the Dawn Brigade. It, it is it's pretty incredible. It's funny. But it's, the three-tier system in this game is fun. It's more or less this, done so they have an excuse to not like power down like your previous characters. Like there's no reason to put Ike back in like rando tier one class with like single digit stats. Yeah, they, but then they also still it. give you progression. So because like it wouldn't make much sense for Ike to just magically get weaker over three years. But he you don't also want to give like give him like a level 20 Ike and have like no progression whatsoever. Yeah. So that's I think it's a smart change. I, yes. I think it is a smart change. I think it works like for what saying, they, they do for this game. Yeah. yeah I they think don't, like they almost any it. sequel like this, that would be a good way to do it. Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. The Zeta Gundam effect, if you will, for the five <laughs> listeners who are also Gundam fans and know what I'm talking about. It will probably be about five. Yeah, Darren, there's one guy that's like, right. oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Someone just popped off. Someone just popped yeah. off. Yeah. Well, Darren, you'll pop off when you're editing it. True. <laughs> there he'll, be, he'll be one of the he's five. He'll be like, man, yeah. this guy, he's always got my back. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> this guy's got some really good takes. I like him. Yeah. <laughs> he's got some good points. Uh, something I know we, we kind of like in the general story discussion of part three, we kind of went straight to like the end game of part three. We touched on some of the the flow of the war. Something that I really like with part three is you get a lot of uh, Benyon's effectiveness as like a military, especially oh, yeah. in regards to like really competent commanders. Like when you first start yeah. they're they're running really hard, Benyon's so disorganized. They're not properly supporting, not proper for They're not taking you seriously as a threat. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then they bring in Zelgus and, and like, yo, get on this. Mm -hmm. 
sort this out. And Zelgius, because he's the Black Knight, is really efficient and a really great military commander. And I can finally say that without having to worry about spoilers. <laughs> no, uh, Darren, we don't know that. I think it's technically the, the prologue it is part, to chapter It is prologue part four. It is technically yeah. part four. Yeah. But literally, when you see this guy walking around, fighting a lion like it's nothing, you're like, hey, Zelgius is that's, like, power level is like huge. <laughs> like, Yeah, that, that's some Black Knight energy. I've he's seen that. I've seen that kind animations of guy fighting Ranulf. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you can just look at the choreography. kind of does he's like uh, Eclipse. Yeah, and then it makes Thorin look really smart because he's like, okay, Zelgius is too fucking smart and powerful to deal with. Let's just go after the senators and get them involved. They're going to fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, like, that's literally what he does. And it works because. And, it wor- and it's like, Zelgius- like, that's a great way to make a tactician look smart. Like, yeah. I think it's better than like Robin's flaming war crime armada. <laughs> yeah, it is. Soren's a great example of a smart tactician doing coming oh, out. Yeah, smart I loved Soren in part three. Soren's great. Soren, Soren way, wears the pants in the entire Laguz alliance. Oh, like, for sure. Every yeah. single thing that happens rests on Soren. Even Skrimir eventually is like, okay, fine, we'll just. Do yeah, what no, you say. he's like, exactly. yeah, because Skrimir at first is like, I don't want to do dumb strategy. That's for cowards. I'm gonna go in there, announce my name, and beat the shit out of them because I'm a Laguz and I can do that. And then eventually he comes to respect Soren because he realizes, hey, this funny little man kind of knows what he's doing. He, and he gets like excited about the briefing. He does. He's like, he's like, what's the next plan? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He goes from dynamic. being like unapologetically uninterested, doesn't give a fuck. and will tell you to his face to being like, hey, what else are we doing? I'm in. Let's go. Let's go. And, and that was Skirmir. I had kind of forgotten how important he is in the narrative of part oh, yeah. three. Yeah, he's, but he, he's, he's kind of the, all the time. central character. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ike is very much a supporting character narratively, which I think is a good place for him because he he figured mm-hmm. his shit out. You know, until he finds out that the Black Knight's still alive, he's kind of content. He's yeah. he's helping out the Lagoos because he owes them and he wants to, but he's not the protagonist of part three, and he should. It very be. much he's, is Skirmir. His arc is done. Which... Yeah. Which does make the like gigantic 180 Skirmir does after he gets his ass beat by Zelius even better. Like he gets all sure. he gets humbled so fast because he yeah. thinks he's king shit. He, he can go do everything. Loses the war just on yeah, his own, single handedly. And he and he gets told that by everyone. Like Ronolf and Soren are like, dude, you're so stupid. You caught <laughs> you almost cost us everything. And he realizes, oh yeah, I did. That was bad. That was really bad. I almost fucking died. It was bad. <laughs> Well, it also is an interesting choice because uh, for those who have played played part three before, as much as Skirmir shows up and how you can make an argument that he is the protagonist in part three, you don't ever get to play as him in part three. Mm. He's no, always I, just, yeah, he's just an he's ally. doing his own thing. Yeah, which, which I mean, that kind of makes sense. In character. Even yep. if you keep him alive for cutscenes, it would have been pretty <clears throat> bad for him to be like, oh no, I'm wounded, I have to retreat. In That's like fair. some random yeah. map instead of in the story, that would kind of fuck it up. Yeah. Well, they yeah. could just make it. I mean, to play devil's oh, advocate, yeah. they could just make it and and you know you lose the chapter yeah. guys or something. Because Randolph, Randolph the entire yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. Is, yep. Romeo and some Randolph of the Dawn died. Brigade as well. There, there's a couple of weird characters. Yeah. But that, yeah. the fact that he's an ally leading the Goose leads you to another thing that Part Three does exceptionally well, which is. You know, this is what the huge army of faceless yellow units are doing. And then this is the specific like strike for task that we're mm-hmm. sending the grill mercenaries mm-hmm. in to do. You know, they're burning supplies. They're covering the retreat across the river. Like this does it amazingly well. Um, Awakening yeah. did that sometimes too. Some other games also do it. We're like, you know, the big army's doing something. We're doing something else. But it's, 
I exceptionally well done here. Just be like, this is why we need like 16 people going over to do something, yeah. you know? Yeah. They're not representing a platoon. They're just a strike force. Also, another reason why that Burning Supplies chapter is great, getting rewarded for killing senators. You, yeah. get, you get rewarded for not killing them. You, you're not well, but you also, kill them. You're not, I think you get extra BXP for not well, killing you get, them. You get, you get yeah, the yeah, you're supposed to leave them alive. <laughs> well, if you didn't draft a thief like I did, <laughs> then yeah, you could. I mean, I just, I just killed the fucker. I mean, you get the reward of satisfaction for killing them. Yeah, uh, and, like, and the world's items? a better place. With no, them and their yeah. items. They all have decent items, from what I remember. Yeah, yeah well, it's things. it's a white gem, and then I think an arm scroll or something, or a skill I scroll. Yeah, no, a white gem. Icon. A white gem is better than probably like a hundred BXP or something like that. <laughs> but more Still, importantly than any of that, you free the horses, dead. kill the senators. Yeah, and well, they're dead. I mean, <laughs> we, we talked about this in part one, but like. This game goes to great lengths to make you hate certain characters, and oh boy, <laughs> yeah. does this game put in the work to make you hate the senators as just yeah. like a class of like I guess it's like both like a political position and like a like a nobility position. Like it's well, it's it's, it's almost it's like I think it's basically it's like, like a house history. of lords. Like it's inherited yeah. attrition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But it makes you really hate this entire class of people, like like yeah. like all of them, it's even like the faceless mooks. Like, they're even like, involved in the, the part one shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They show up and are hated immediately. And then like, you the have, second uh, one of those assholes really is on screen. <laughs> yeah, they're extremely. And you, effective and you have Senator Valtome who shows up to take command from <laughs> Zelgus. He's like, "I'm like the noble here. I'm in charge. You have to answer to me." And he and you just see him like completely waste all of like Zelgius is like ground he gained. Yeah. By God, and yeah. Go and there's the, there's the cutscene where they try to execute Zelgius too. I forgot yeah. about that. That's that's mm-hmm. a really cool one. For insubordination with the Elincia stuff, which is a great follow up mm-hmm. like the Crimea like it's not a, an amazing gameplay segment when you just suddenly randomly go back to the Crimean Knights to fend off like the Benyon soldiers pillaging. No, honestly but, that's probably the weakest chapter in part yeah. three. I would but say but it's really yeah. short though. Um yeah, but, it doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah, but I, I like the payoff to Alincia showing up and being like, hey, this is my country. You guys got to get out. We're going to do fantastic. this. And then, like, mm. all the soldiers, like, you know what? This chick's badass. I respect this. Then Baltome fucks it up once again by overextending. <laughs> yep. And I love how you can see Zelgius's frustration and having to deal with this guy. And <laughs> yeah. when after the execution, when... Uh, when Snaki, uh, the apostle, shows up and is like, hey, like the senators are fucked up. They're ruining my country. Everybody don't listen. I love when he threatens to kill. He's like, he's like, he's like fuck you and Seraphim. Like, you're all terrible. And Zelgus just picks him up. He's like, I will yeah. crush your <laughs> yeah. throat. And it's, it's so cathartic. Because like the whole sense you get from every time Ike and Co. have had to interact with Zelgus is that he's like a really respectable guy. Like kind of that Camus type thing going on. That, mm-hmm. That uh, faded enemies, but an honorable enemy, and yeah. you get a, yeah. a good amount of satisfaction. This game does much more to make you like the Black Knight. Like in Path of Radiance, he's a great antagonist, but he's, he's just, definitely he's against you the whole time. Yeah, he's he Darth, Darth Vader. Vader. But in this game, he's like <laughs> helping Micaiah. He's helping like as late as Part Four, he's still joining and helping you in gameplay. That, you know, he's a busy he's man. Yeah. He's a busy man. That man has to I mean, lead he's got, an like, entire army. Move. I don't know how the hell he's, <laughs> he's, no, he's <laughs> got that war powder. He's got that warp powder. He can get around. Zelius has to lead. Can't warp anymore. 
He has to lead an entire army and somehow still bail out the scrub Dawn Brigade whenever they get themselves way in over their heads, which is fair. all the time. To be fair, they were Path so lucky that he was nearby already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In Path of Radiance, he was doing double duties, a general in yeah. two different armies, and he, he has did to it go again. do Ashnard's like personal bidding. Like that guy probably <laughs> never slept. I don't oh, yeah, think he does. Yeah. Yeah, War he was powder. the leading. Ge- the guy had caffeine pills. <laughs> yeah, it was the, the leading general of Benyon, which was crushing Dayan. Day yeah, which where was he also was also fighting. a general. Yeah, and then he, he was also so say. relieved when Ike didn't want Benyon to fight directly. <laughs> like, oh, thank fuck! I gotta go talk to Ashnar. I've got take so much a shit break. to do. Jeez. <laughs> I was working with Incredible planner. Great Darren, you don't know how he's taken that war powder, though. He I, he might be snorting that shit. <laughs> I mean, I mean with, with the shit he's going to put up with, I'll let him take yeah. all the drugs he, probably, he wants. He probably has the world's, like, supply. Like, it's like, it's, it's not it's not you, there's a guy you get war powder from. It somehow trickles down from the Black Knight. He owns Zel- all the war powder in the world. Zelgius is really, supply. no, he's the personification of that meme. Like, I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't have smoked that shit. Now I'm fighting in the Benyon army. <laughs> He's the hardest working man on the entire continent. If he's got to do drugs to make yeah. it happen, so be it. War powder would have yeah. been an interesting gameplay element, like because warp usually, you know, you have your your move ability with the staff, um, but powder would have to be a unit that could really handle it if they use the item and go into the meat grinder. Would have been interesting. And I think, yeah. I think uh, narratively, you're like weakened after using it, yeah. so that could have been an yeah. interesting gameplay integration too. Yeah, it could have given you like the heroes. same debuffs as rescue for a turn or something. Yeah, yeah. definitely opportunities for that. Um, but I think we've pretty much covered most of the core story stuff. Um, the mm-hmm. one part I think we sort of talked about um, some of the, like the writing quibbles. Like we, we already talked about my brilliant solution to the blood contract. But yes. something that I yep. In like when I did a review of Radiant Dawn, this is like probably one of my biggest criticisms of the game, and I've talked about it in the podcast before. But I, I know it's technically part four, but I hate, 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 hate how they handle the reveal of the Black Knight when the, it's just Randall talking to Ike and being like, "Yo, by the way, spoiler alert: Zelgus is the Black Knight." Like that's mm-hmm. basically it what really does. it feels like when you read too far on TV tropes or something. And it's like, oh, oops, I shouldn't yeah. have read that. Randolph's like, but yeah, I read the, the wiki. Game. Also, I fought the, yeah. I fought this guy like five times now across different games. <laughs> like, I know, I know, it's him for sure. He's it makes sense that Randolph would know, but. They didn't have to make him fight Zelgius in part three. Like, yeah. Yeah, and he fought him in, in, yeah, he fought him in chapter three of part three during the fight. so and, early. And does like, he use a Londite then? No. No. No, no, no he's only the Black Knight does that. He's got the but same got fighting like a, style, and that's how Randolph knows anyway. Well, like, also, that would, that would be armor, useful information to the U- Laguz Alliance, wouldn't it? Like, hey, by the way, General Zelgius is the Black Knight, and then Ike would be like, oh, fuck, okay, I'm going to go kill him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that, well, that, maybe that yeah. could be why, though. He could be concerned that Ike would go a little too crazy trying to kill him, or he would that, get a little gung-ho about it. Honestly, that's good headcanon, but that like headcanon I mean, doesn't fix yeah, the no, game's I, writing I, problems. Yeah, no, I'm I'm justifying a bad decision. Yeah. I'm just saying like that could but I think hypothetically that, that be speaks wise. to these things. Like when the story mostly works and it's got a couple of things that are off, you kind of yeah. in your head you fill it in like that. Mm-hmm. You know, 
um, it's a it pretty just, big thing though yeah but what i think about is like i have a note here it's like the only real mm-hmm. note i took for part three was especially because so many of the soldiers respect zelgius like and he has that the one attendant guy it's like starts with an l i can't remember love it uh Lavelle uh, or Levan yeah. or something. Oh, yeah. Like his, yeah. yeah, his like his like right hand man who helps manage all his affairs. Maybe he helps schedule for him. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> he needs but it. how cool it could have been used if like it got revealed that he was the Black Knight. Like, what would his soldiers do knowing that? What would this guy like his right hand man who like yeah. basically worships him? Would he still be on? Clearly, he's still on board because he helps him out in part four. But you don't know, wouldn't know that. I feel like okay. So, so here here's my my writing fix pitch. Um, instead of Randolph just fucking saying it, in uh, 3 Endgame, he joins as the Black Knight for Dayan, but, like, pretty far ahead. Um, and then, like, after a couple turns, because they're doing... Or not turns, like, you know, enemies, you know. Yeah. He, he's got, like, a bunch of Lagoos to kill or whatever. And his helmet gets knocked off or something, because the blessing isn't there anymore. And like, yeah. But, like, in that chapter, that should be when it's revealed to be Zelgius. Or it could even be a thing of like you could do something with like Skirmer fighting him and being like, "Yeah, holy shit, that would work." Really I recognize him. I'm having a PTSD yeah. flashback to that ass beating. <laughs> that would, yeah, I know who it is. It gives Skirmer more agency too than Rad. Yeah, because, like, and they're both AI units, so you could just like put them near each other to choreograph it, and that would be man. fine. Yeah. Well, it's also you get Skirmer also, as a unit. Yeah, yeah but part not until part four. Okay. Yeah, but it's, it's also weird because they make a. Randolph also makes a point like several times when confronting the Black Knight or Zelda. It's like, ah, I know, I know your scent, and it's like, so then shouldn't also like Scrimmier or like other people? Because Randolph also doesn't fight Zelgius alone. It's like, yeah, ah, oh well, yeah, what could have been? And then it's gets all 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 the setup for a a fight later in part four for the big. 1v1 versus Ike, only for Ike to just pull out a hammer. <laughs> yeah. And this was set up since Path of Radiance, too. Like, their sprites yeah. match, like, it was clearly intended even then. It's it's a shame. It's a big thing to fuck up, and they fucked it up really badly. Yep. But, but you know, then you move on, and he's still cool in part four. He's still, yeah, like he's, still, he's still probably one of the best antagonists in the entire series. I would probably argue like de facto yeah. best bad guy. Although in part four, we'll get to it. They take away some of his agency. Whereas in Path of, by going purely off a of Path of Radiance, you're like, oh my God, this guy's like the most efficient villain ever. Like, this guy mm. get shit done. They did, his deference to Sephiroth was set up in Path of Radiance. Yeah. Uh, like at that poor yeah. chapter. But the extent of it is probably a lot more than was anticipated before yeah very much so <laughs> also something I, I i also noticed the story while we're going on like some of like minor issues i know and part of it is because of the blood contract like that whole plot line like forces certain characters to act certain ways but like it's I, i'm really curious to know what micaiah thought of the mad king's war because she's so devoted to protecting dane she's like i don't give a shit if we're gonna like cause our whole country to get taken over by us continuing to fight in this war, or if we're going to, like, you know, all, we're going to have all these people die. I don't care if, like, you know, she was ready to kill the Apostle. Especially because Ike invaded Dayan. Like, she, yeah. was she fighting against them off screen? Well, it's a thing of, like, she's so devoted to the war and and using tactics that others are like, ooh, like, that's, I don't feel great about I mean, pushing rocks and stuff like that. Yeah, or, like, taking they even, the like, 
Yeah, they even outwardly acknowledge that the stuff that Micaiah does in like what three eleven or three twelve, whatever that the rock chapter is, they acknowledge her strategies are like very uncharacteristic and very weird for her to be doing. Yeah, but it's gonna set them on still, fire. But yeah. like it makes me like she, yeah. like she has such an image of Dane in her mind, and it's like, what did you think of it when you were the bad guys and you were literally just butchering people? Like, like I know you're 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 you have a high horse of no, my people over everything, but like, calm down, Jack. Yeah, but you know, characters can have flaws. I, it, yeah. it fits. Yeah. Um, the real problem is in part four when instead of having to grapple with that, she's just Yune instead. But we'll, we'll get into <laughs> that, that is, more later. It's, it's the whole part. Oh no, it's a lot of it. It's yeah. Every okay. every relevant part. Let's say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Body tag. Yeah, they they trade back and forth. She's Makai again for like some base conversations and like some of the cutscenes, but it's. Makai is very pushed to the side because of Yune. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more on that uh, later. Yeah, I mean, uh, how are you guys feeling? I, I feel like I've said my piece on part three. Uh, you have anything yeah. else know. anyone yeah. want to add? I think the things that Radiant Dawn does well, it does best in part three. I think this is like the agree. highlight of the game. It's really great. I felt like even just playing it, like every couple chapters, I would just be like, wow, this is fucking great. I fucking love this. Oh, like, yeah. This is genuinely the most fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it flew this by was, play. Yeah. Absolutely. This was definitely the most fun section of Radiant Dawn I've done so far. I mean, yeah, it, it was very good. I really, really enjoyed it. It turns it, out no, this... having units available for you to use is fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely much better, especially in contrast to part two, which has, you know, all of those issues that Taryn just said. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, yeah. part two is over quick. <laughs> but yeah. True. Um. Yeah, no, I've, it's also I've just really... kind of wild because like, Part three and four could have just been the sequel to Path of Radiance, and instead they have this whole game. Yeah, I feel like you need need part one at you least have to, to yeah. set up, but part two, yeah, you don't need. But yeah, um, yeah. Th- this this has been a blast for me to play through. I've been having more fun with it than I anticipated. Uh, I I tried, you know, I I think it was hopefully evident in you know the commentary and everything to pay a little bit more attention to the story this time, but. I still just feel like I've shot myself in the foot for not for the beginning parts of the game and also not finishing Path of Radiance. So honestly, this playthrough more than anything is making me really, really just on my own time go go back to FE9 and FE10 and just do a normal run through of both games because it seems It'll like it'll go faster when you can just like use Jill the whole time and stuff. Yeah, I'm, also. I'm sure. But that's it, part of, like. This game starts so small and it gets so big and it does it really builds up to it really well. Like even before part four, that you know three end game is just fucking crazy. And like most Fire Emblem games have that kind of progression where you're like you know killing two bandits and then killing God or whatever. But this game really has the scope to match it. Like the scale actually is hugely varying. It's a really slow burn. It's just you feel the ambition. Yeah, no, for sure. Chef, I guess before we finish off with part three here, um, I don't know. I know you, I feel like, out of all of us on the, the podcast, probably are the least fond of Tellius. How how has this playthrough uh, been for you? Have you been seeing things you like, dislike more in the game, or are your mm. opinions pretty much the same? I have, I, have, I have sort of the inverse opinion of Husser. I feel like part three is actually one of the weaker parts well not as not as wow. weak as part two i i much prefer part one <laughs> to part three honestly really 
Now, the Dawn Brigade stuff, I feel like, is the best is the best stuff in the game. Even in part three, the Dawn everything everything involving the Dawn Brigade, I f- feel like, is the best part. Are you a Dawn Brigade leader? apologist? Even the blood contract, <laughs> Well, I not mean, the blood really contract. Not one too. But <laughs> yeah, well, the blood contract's still dumb because that's that's obviously them working backwards from having Ike and Micaiah fight. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Part three just doesn't vibe with me at all. I feel like with the story, a lot. I feel like nothing happens, and then everything happens in terms of sure. the part three stuff. Until you yeah, basically I, until you get the Dawn Brigade, like the going in, like the going in and getting going into Benyon, then getting your ass beat, and then coming back out, and it's like, all right, yes, got that humbling experience. But that's all at the same time. It's like, yeah, sort of. No progress has been made. Yeah, it's just. I don't know. Ike, I think it also goes back to Ike not being the protagonist, not being a, the protagonist of part three, basically like on the one hand, it's, it's interesting to see like, what does a main character do after the hero's journey? Basically, you know, he's had all of his development in FE nine. What is he doing in FE 10? Then it's like, eh, not much. Actually, <laughs> he's not doing much. He's listening. So it's like, you know, he's fighting for I, his friends. He actually yeah. didn't do that in FE nine. So it's, yeah, it <laughs> wasn't his main motivation. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like could have could have spent less time actually with Ike and the Grail mercenaries and given it more to the Dawn Brigade, both in terms of story sense to maybe try to flesh out, you know, the uh, blood contract or the, why they're fighting. Because you know, within even three out the ch- levels a bit more too. Yeah, even out the yeah. levels because with three chapters like with the Dawn Brigade, you don't actually get much set up much story aside from yeah, we sort of just have to fight. Like, even in a draft when it's funneled into, like, one or two Dawn Brigade units, they were yeah. still behind when I got to part four. Yeah, but I will say, is purely from the gameplay, when my planning with the draft, I didn't use Ike at all for basically all of part three. To, so then I could funnel, when I funneled a bunch of EXP into Lara for the Dawn Brigade, for 313, I could just have Lara just smite Ike with Purge from halfway across the map. <laughs> nice. That's kind of sick. I like that. Far ahead planning. Yeah. <laughs> some foresight. Did, I guess that's that is. I guess that's one thing worth saying. Did who? Which of you guys uh, killed Ike and and just played out the? What is it? Twelve turns, I think. To yeah, it's twelve. Yeah, I did 12 what turns. I do every time, which is like dance up to Ike and get really close to killing him, and then I end up having to retreat when the reinforcements come, and then the turns run out. I, I was spread him. too thin to having to chase down the hawks because sometimes the, I had one attempt where they attacked like a uh, a priest at the Chased green zone. The hawks. Darren, that's yeah. what 313 archers for. No, yeah, he's, Leonardo he's could only come on so left. far. He only has so <laughs> much move. We yeah. we've uh we've gone through this entire part three discussion without mentioning everyone's favorite character, 313 Archer. <laughs> I think a- I think 313 Physic Bot is really more clutch in practice. Honestly, but, yeah. <laughs> but the yellow army really shines in those day and chapters because oh, yeah. you know, sure. your units aren't that much better and it really oh, helps God. to have expendable Re- targets. And like the heals, they're always healing you. They've got physic. It's like you really appreciate playthrough? the army more than they're usual. They're probably better than the than most of your Dawn Brigade characters, and it's yeah, hilarious yeah. because they're giving out like the Dane like royal regalia to your freaking losers, like Leonardo's. Like <laughs> here, have the most legendary bow in the world. Leonardo's like, I can't fucking do shit with this. Why are you giving this to me? I have Leonardo's five like, strength. What are you prologue. doing? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm still only level four. <laughs> is is and three actually, eleven? Uh, 
that's the American version only that they get those special weapons. That was not yeah. in the Japanese version. They sucked even more. Wow, really? <laughs> one of, yeah. One of the many changes that they made in the localized yeah. This version. was like a because hugely influential localization. I think pretty much everything was for the better. There was a lot of weird shit in the Japanese the version. Outside difficulty stuff. Yeah. The, yeah. the difficulty switcheroo was like the one big bad thing. Yeah. But I mean, you also you used to have this thing, though. Yeah, really you used to have to sell weapons to get one. forge points uh, in order to forge things instead of just being able to do it. There's actually still dialogue about that, even though it doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, you couldn't roll over at level 21 to promote. You had to use the items. The Master Crowns, which Master were still crowns, hit, were, which were, were still yeah. mostly all hidden tiles. <laughs> yeah, they were almost all hidden tiles, and the majority of them were in part four. Can, yeah. can we talk about such a specific nit, nitpick, but... Why does Mist need her own stupid promotion item that you get <laughs> in part because she's special? Part four, okay. You know, lots of other characters get plot promotions. You know, if if yeah. Soth gets a plot promotion, Mist can get one. I don't think that's Mist, crazy. Mist is Mist is special, Sheffin, because she's the one character from FE9 that gets worse. <laughs> the transfer <laughs> over between games. It that's really sucks that her sword just doesn't work the way that it says that it works. If it's it actually so used magic, it would be perfect. I know. Uh, well, I think her, I think her stats still are. Well, no, <laughs> yeah, she, no she she's good. Like, it would be much easier to use her if you decided to, because say you're playing a draft. All those, all those horses in uh, I don't remember which numbered chapter, but again, the the one where you burn the supplies, all the horses that you save, why can't she just take one of them? <laughs> I wish she knows how to we ride. Long, the long road to, for her to get that horse. <laughs> yeah, she could have just been like a troubadour equivalent. That would be fine. Everyone else gets to start promoted. Even Rolf. Even Rolf. Even yeah. Rolf, he's a sniper. He's got, like, if you've got transfers, he's got, honestly, comparable stats to uh He's, like, Shinar. worse than Sheena. Like, you just need to, you know, if you struggle through for, like, really just, like, one and a half chapters. I've, I've used him before, and it's not that hard to get him up yeah, to Yeah, no, I, I have him on, I have him, uh, on my draft team, and I threw Paragon on him and gave him some BXP, and he's, he's totally usable he's pretty good actually i mean probably not realistically in a non-draft playthrough but yeah he's he's a totally serviceable unit which is a big glow up from path of radiance <laughs> yep so should we call it here then i guess on on our discussion for part three speak now or forever be silenced all right guys uh with that i guess we should get into our mailbag here what do you say? Um, I think our first question is going to be from the Master of Hamsters, who asks, do you think the shifting story perspectives work would work in another game with better game balance that would make sense in the story? So I, I uh, want to take a little issue with the tone of this question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think it works pretty well in this game. Uh, it's just limited, you know? It works better when you know what's coming, and it works better when you're not doing a draft. Um, it's not like bad. You're never going to... If you're just going in blind, you'll always have good units in every army that can carry chapters. Yeah. Uh, so it works pretty fine. Um, I do think, you know, signposting it better. So, like, using that in the new game, kind of splitting it off more. So, like, within part one and part two and part three, et cetera, you're sticking with one army the whole time, mostly. You know, maybe a couple units zigzag around to have fun on subsequent playthroughs, but that uh, would make it a little easier to parse on a first playthrough. I feel like this type of idea could work really well in something like Three Houses, 
or the idea yeah. of you have like these different sides. Obviously, you would have to like rewrite Three Houses to not radically branch off and to be one cohesive story. But I think if they designed around that, they could have shifted like perspective, and that way you could have actually had all of the other three lords be lords in the main game, and then that could have maybe actually been you choose one. Yeah, that could have been actually kind of in, like an interesting way to retell the story, though it would just be a question of what you would then do with Byleth. But I guess you would also just have to rewrite that, too. Yeah, I mean, like, if, you you, if have you're to... really clever, you would just not have Byleth. True. Actually true. Byleth That's actively ruins the story of Three Houses. Who could have seen that coming? True. <laughs> I, I want to say that it does, we do kind of already have this in Gaiden slash Echoes to an extent. It's true. Uh, yeah, it's true. To an extent. It's a bit differently executed. Warping. Yeah, it's a little, a little differently executed. Where uh, the main two parties in this, in in Radiant Dawn, are adversarial. Where they're not yeah. exactly like not directly adversarial. I mean, there's like the. They've the, got like, different goals in the story. Yeah, you're they have they have different goals, and they're they have an almond Selic have like different philosophical beliefs on the way that he to solve their world's problems but like you're never actively fighting each other you're just kind of working your way towards a similar objective right it's been a while since i've played echoes as well but from what i remember too i think like what is it like chapter three and four maybe just four or, or act four or whatever you can kind of switch between the two armies because i know um, some three of the and act four are, yeah three and four and it, it gives you a little bit more choice, I guess, I, from what I remember, right? Like, you can choose, like, you could choose to do all side all at once, then sell a cut side, I think. Or, right? or you can bounce around. Yeah, or you can bounce. Caravans, um, you can mm -hmm. kill people and then revive them on the other team. Yeah. Right. Fun. So what, what I'm trying to say is it's not strictly linear like it is in this game. You're not just like, okay, here's an Ike chapter, here's a, you know, Dawn Brigade, Micaiah chapter. Um, I... I, I think it mostly works in this game. Uh, you know, part one is is part one all Don Brigade. I yes. think it is right. Part one yeah. is all Don Brigade. All Don Brigade. Cohesive one. Mm -hmm. And most of part three is uh, Grail mercenaries, but in in sort of the second half of part three, you end up alternating a little bit, and it, and it works out there just because I don't know. You're you're able to sort of predict when it's going to be an Ike chapter, when it's going to be a Micaiah chapter. It's the, the biggest issue to me so far is something that we've already talked about both this episode and last episode, where I think uh, part two, even though it's shorter, just kind of, uh, it feels like a jumbled mess. Like you're, you're like we said, I think, I think every single chapter, you're a different army, right? Or, or a different group of people or like something like that. Where you're building up a Crimean army to use an Alinsia's Gambit, but it isn't. Right. You're like scattered no. all over the place, jumping back and forth. Yeah. Not yeah. to uh, push up my glasses here, but uh, <laughs> uh, Tear Ring Saga, which at one point was called Emblem Saga, so not officially a Fire Emblem game. It also does something similar to Gaiden, where you have two distinct parties, whereas in that game, it's not freely switching between them. It's at certain points, you're just being forced to switch between the different armies. And in some of the chapters, uh, it will show you different sides of the conflict. You're still on the same side, but it shows you like, oh, why is this happening? And then you go over here and like, oh, this happened because this happened. Or they'll talk about an event that happened, and then you witness that event with the other party. So yeah, uh, historically, it can be done. Uh, we didn't get this, but it's easy to imagine a version of FE8 where they 
you split off and play both routes and you oh, can sure. yeah i was gonna mention that yeah uh, someone rom hack that fe eight's like one of the easiest games to rom hack so make it it, i mean it's the main game nowadays yeah, yeah fe has been like kind of broken wide open mm-hmm. yeah yeah i don't think people really use six and seven for the gba they they're not like anymore not anymore spins. yeah they used yeah. to there's some old ones on that yeah mm-hmm. anyway i think we can go to our next question here which is from Oberon 007 who asks uh might have parts mixed up but do you think mist was meant to be one of the branded um it's mentioned some lagoos were leery of her in path of radiance and it's odd that she of all people can handle the medallion besides the heron mist was also able to hear a sound that only the other lagoos could hear in serena's forest uh even yoon comments on mist specifically around three epilogue i think uh, I think the big reason that they did this was to say "fuck you" to all the miss players, so uh, she doesn't use a normal promotion item. <laughs> She's special. True, it's actually a conspiracy. Yeah, they it's need a, conspiracy. a character in Passive Radiance that can be like singing the lullaby for Mike's mom. So that part kind of ties in, and then that's true. The, the herons and stuff. Um, I would say that maybe they switched the secret branded thing from her to Soren, but I'm pretty sure Soren is confirmed branded in Passive Radiance in his conversation with Petrine. Um, I that sounds right. Either that, or maybe something with like Stefan too. Well, is it also yeah. doesn't he literally have a brand? Forehead because yeah, of the brand yeah. Have well, yeah, but that's yeah. In hey. radiance, it's not clear that that's what that means necessarily. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, you know, if you're a dark mage, you get that too, which Soren isn't. But true. Uh, yeah. yeah, they oh. have some other like non-branded explanation for why he has a mark on his head. I don't remember what it is. Because I think well, it's so either like it's, it's the spirit charmer. Um, yes, what, that's what it was. That's what yeah. it was. Basically, if you become a dark mage in Tellius, you get that brand on your head. Um, so branded will pretend that they're dark mages to not look like branded. Yeah. Um, and that also ties into Pelias specifically because he is actually just a dark mage. But uh, Almeida does he have the mark. Yeah. He's just he got does. big hair, but he does. He does yeah. have. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, you know. Azuka says, you know, hey, look, this is your branded son. And she's like, oh, okay. Uh, but he's actually just a dark mage. This lady uh, is just crazy and just depressed enough to buy it. Yep. I mean, yep. she was willing to get with Ashnard, so her judgment yeah. is <laughs> already questionable. Yeah, very yeah. questionable. Uh, I don't know if Mist was specifically meant to be branded. I, like Huster mentioned, I think it's yeah. purely just... Uh, like you know, it's main character syndrome. Like her, that's her role in the plot. Is she someone who can control the medallion? And that's like in Path of Radiance, that was more so her role. Whereas in this game, uh, less so. So she like in Path of Path of Radiance, she has a much larger role in that story. Whereas here, she doesn't until pretty much uh, 3E is like kind of like yeah. one of her bigger roles. Like she's pretty yeah. uh, pretty much a side player. She becomes a lot more important very quickly with three E and uh and going into part four. Yeah. I mean it just it makes sense just from like a purely story perspective as well, because it, it gives Ike, who even though we talked about her Skirmir in, in part threes, sort of functions as the protagonist. You know, Ike is still kind of the main driving force between these two games. So it gives him more personal involvement other than just Black Knight that sort of stuff so it at least to me it makes sense that you'd make it the char- main character's sister yeah um like the cutscenes where mist is doing medallion stuff if that were like racing then ike would feel even more disconnected from everything exactly yeah yeah, yeah. uh anyways i think is that it i think the rest of these questions we you know if, if we didn't cover your questions huh yeah. 
Slurm had some good ones about uh, 313 that we pretty much already talked right. about. Like yeah. White Maroon with the Blood Pact. Yeah, uh, which we went in, in pretty big detail. Uh, all right. I guess I guess that's it for Mailbag then. All right. Thank well, you for joining us, guys. And I believe we should uh, end as, as we began. Rolf, do you want to take us out for, for this one? Uh, I don't want to hit her. 